We're back. And you're not on a treadmill. Nah. nah. Wow, this is exciting. A few hours. Hold on, let me turn my recording and studio button on in my apartment. Okay, here you go. <laughs> This is the Dab Podcast. Grown Solo Friday Dab. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what this is coming down through the audience. It looks like it just came out of the basement. It's showtime. Hello, hello, and welcome in. This is Rome Solo with Rob. Friday, Deb. I don't even remember what number it is anymore because the titles changed so many times. But I got grief last time Rob Datoma joined me. So today, I want you all to know that it is Rome Solo with Rob. I know that makes no sense, but at the same time, the man deserves his name in the title. Oh, that just sounds way better, don't you think? It, it rolls off the tongue better. You're not wrong. <laughs> Before we get going, we remind the people it's Twitter, it's Instagram, it's Facebook, it's at Dab Podcast on all three. Hit the website, dabpodcast.com. Great article coming out today previewing the Super Bowl from Mr. Chris Pinnell. So get over and check that out. And then, of course, get us on the Gmail, dabpodcast at gmail.com, and then give us the five star. You know where to listen. It is. Super Bowl weekend, Mr. Datoma, and I know the people are fired up right now. Yeah, it's the best. Well, yeah, it's the buildup. It's the end. I get a little depressed when the conference championships come around because I thoroughly enjoy football season. And when you have only two games to watch, and now we only have one game to watch, um, and then that's it. But it is the grand finale, and you got to be fired up for it because it's going to be a long haul till we get these games again so and what's funny about this super bowl too is because we had this debate in the last few weeks about whether super sunday and i mean super sunday in terms of the two championship games is a little bit more fun than super bowl sunday and a lot of people have said rob that they much rather enjoy that sunday as you just mentioned than the super bowl and i think this year too because it's almost like kind of a boring matchup. It's like, okay, the Patriots are – yeah, L.A. is kind of interesting for some. But for the most part, once Tom Brady and Bill Belichick went back, a lot of people turned off their interest level. Yeah, they're – I mean, they are very polarizing. So once it starts, I'm sure you're uh, you're going to either love or hate the Patriots, and that's what's going to bring you to the set. I mean, everyone's going to watch no matter what. But I think you're right. There is a little fatigue with them, um, and it's – Nowadays, I think the two-week layoff was great back in the day. I think nowadays with so much media, media so much social media, it's, it's almost like, I don't, I don't know about you, you just turn it off for a couple of days and know you're not going to miss much. You're just going to hear the same stories again three days later or whatever they're trying to hype up on Tuesday as opposed to Thursday. So, But for me personally, it's, it's like that. Even It's more like divisional weekend is kind of – the first time where you're like, it's really over now because there's no more. <laughs> you don't have – to me, football is Sunday 1 o'clock, you know, and there's no Sunday 1 o'clock from the conference championship, and there's definitely no Sunday 1 o'clock Super Bowl Sunday. It's it's a long wait. Like that wait till 3 o'clock kickoff at the NFC championship feels like the longest day you've been around when you're used to a 1 o'clock kickoff. So, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is, but you got to enjoy it. And sometimes this game – 
ends up being a classic, which a lot of times with the Patriots it does. So hopefully that's what we're setting up for. Before we get into the nitty gritty of this game, Rob, because I am I'm very excited to get your opinion on how the Rams can find a way to beat this Patriots team and how Tom Brady and Bill Belichick can once again reinvent probably themselves and find a way to show you something you haven't seen all year. Before I ask you that, I have a real pressing question for you. Should the Monday after the Super Bowl be a national holiday? Yeah, why not? It's, it's more, it is. I mean, if you have a job that allows you to slack off or be a little late, I think it's the number one day of the year where people either call in or show up late from what everyone says. But I mean, for your job and my job, it wouldn't help our profession. It wouldn't help our team get ready to play in a couple of weeks. So I don't know. I would have to go with the old Belichick creed of no days off, but I, I don't know. I think for the general people with norm quote unquote, normal jobs it would be <laughs> awesome to have off on a monday for sure i just think it's so fair because if everybody in america is thinking the exact same things why don't we just come to the conclusion and just make it one already i, I do i think they they do those studies i think it is the most unproductive either that monday or the thursday friday when the march madness and everyone's paying more attention to their brackets than their jobs i think those are the two or three most unproductive days of a work year for sure and the one thing I've learned, and you, could, you, you definitely probably feel this with your guys at Fordham too, is it doesn't matter what level athlete you're dealing with, college athletes don't want to practice on Super Bowl Sunday. You could practice at 9 a.m. on Super Bowl Sunday. They could have eight hours to get ready for the game, and they still feel slighted because it's Super Bowl Sunday. There's just something about it. It's just yeah. something about it. it. It has become, you know, it's yeah, your, your mom, your, your sister, people that don't watch sports somehow know who's playing in the Super Bowl, what time the game is. It's just, you're right. It is, and I, I think that's what kind of makes it for, I'm sure for you and definitely for me, you're diehard football people. It's just not your normal football day. It's more for the, the general masses. It's not week 12 when you're digging into the sixth different matchup of the weekend. It's more the general public, I think. So it's like uh, if you're a diehard Bruce Springsteen fan, you're talking deep cuts of the songs and the general people are talking about glory days. And I think that's, <laughs> that's how I sum up Super Bowl Sunday compared to the backside of uh, For You or something you've never heard of from Springsteen unless you're a diehard fan. It could be a very glorious day for the Los Angeles Rams <laughs> if they find a way to put pressure on Tom Brady. And I think that's got to be what Sean McVay and Wade Phillips and their staff has been worried about on the defensive side of the ball for the last 14 days. It's been proven. I mean, it's, there's only been, it used to be the only way to beat New England was he had to knock Brady around. But recently, I mean, it, it has been, their defense hasn't been as good. So you can outscore them like the Eagles did, which is crazy or pretty much. I think if there was three more minutes in that game or a different coin toss, Kansas city would have outscored them. They were just, New England couldn't stop them anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, if they can get to him, it's going to make life a lot easier, but nobody's been getting to him lately. I mean, the chiefs didn't even touch Tom Brady the whole game, uh, you know, one touch and no sacks, I think was the stat and Chargers sure as hell didn't get there. So I mean, well, I don't know. What they, <laughs> I know the Rams have more defensive talent on the defensive line, but I don't know their backside might be a little weaker in the secondary. So it, it's going to be, I don't think they're going to go into the game thinking they're holding them to single digits or anything like that. I think they know they got to outscore them. 
And, and I said this to Anthony during the midweek is that you have to have somebody on James White's tail the entire time because that's Tom Brady's safety banquet. So if you do get pressure on Tom Brady, he's going to immediately look to that running back coming out of the backfield. That's why James White, Rob, I heard some crazy stat this week that like James White's got like 640 yards after the catch. And you look at that and you say to yourself, how is that? How could that be possible? Well, that's because he's getting dump-off balls from Tom Brady at the line of scrimmage, behind the line of scrimmage, and making the rest of it with his athleticism. Yeah, that's usually how they go about it. I mean, I think as he's gotten older, they know you're not going to let a 40-year-old take a beating. And he used to take some beatings back in the day, get up, and they'd be there, and they had some more deep threats, which – like Randy Moss back in the day, and you, you need more time for those plays to develop, which means you got to be willing to let your quarterback get hit. But they don't really do that underneath. It's all, like you're saying, dumb buffs to the back, and they, they don't allow him to get hit. So he'd rather – and you've seen it. A few of his passes, there are open guys underneath, but he does kind of quickly get rid of it and throw it behind a guy or at a guy's feet. And I think he does it intentionally. It's it's more important to not get hit than it is to make that four yard completion in the second quarter, and that's where they're ahead of everybody who just do things smart. But I do wonder. I mean, you know it. I know it. I mean, you don't. The Chargers had to know it. The Chiefs had to know it. Why is James White not covered in these situations? Yeah. Why on four consecutive third and nines can Julian Edelman be wide open over the middle of the field over and over and over again? And it really makes you think they just find their schemes have to just, uh, I, I don't know. We don't study the tapes like these guys, but the, the schemes have to be that much more elite than the people they're playing for it to, if every, if Romo can announce it as the play is happening, if you can watch the game, if we can watch the real Tony Romo, not you Romo. Ah, <laughs> I was hoping so that. I, was... <laughs> I didn't watch the game with you. So maybe you were announcing it was happening too. But if everyone in the state, Everybody in Arrowhead Stadium knew they were going to Edelman on those third downs, so I'm sure the Chiefs knew it, and just somehow it can't just be cross-ups every time. So the, the schemes have to be elite compared to who they're going up against, in my opinion. If you looked at this Patriots team, right, because you know what we have in Sonny Michelle, you know what you have in James White, you know what you have in Edelman, Chris Hogan, right? If, if you're Bill Belichick, Rob, and I know you've watched a lot of Patriots football, whether you wanted to or you didn't, right? <laughs> so what scheme do you think you're exploiting with this Rams team? Because I just think it's finding a way to have a vertical threat opposite of Hakeem Tlaib. I'm going after Marcus Peters personally. I'm going to attack Marcus Peters because I think if I can win the mental battle against Marcus Peters, I don't care how good Hakeem Tlaib is. To me, it comes down to what I can do on the outside specifically against Peters. It could be. I mean, if, if we knew, it, it seems like you know what Belichick's plan is going to be and they, they come out and do the totally opposite. So you never really know what they're thinking. I think it all, him being originally a defensive guy, I think it his offensive game plans come from what he thinks his defense can do against that team. So I think if, if he thinks he can't slow the Rams down, then I think he's going to try and control the clock a little more. Uh, and I think you saw that very much so in the first half of the Chiefs game. I, I think deep down he knew at some point there's going to be no holding down once the weapons get rolling. And, I mean, the fourth quarter was some barrage of points by both teams in that Chiefs-Patriot game. But I think – if they don't shut him down and control the ball for 20-something minutes of the first half, 
there's no way their defense survived that game. So I think that's how he goes into these games. But I do agree. I, I actually think they will try and establish the run. I, I think Sony Michelle's been a, as big a part of this run as any running back they've ever had be a part of any run of their runs to the Super Bowl. It's been impressive to watch. And then I do I think they'll take their shots, but I, I truly don't know who their downfield guy is that they would go to. It's usually when they get Gronk singled up and that's not like a deep, deep threat. That's just when they get a mismatch, they run him out wide. Uh, so, and, uh, I mean, but you're right. Peters is, they're not going to be attacking to leave. I don't think. No, I, I think you, and I think that's where and it's funny because everyone says Bill Belichick does the best job being able to eliminate the other team's best player. Well, in my opinion, you have two key players you have to try and eliminate. It's Aaron Donald and it's Akeem Tlaib. If you do those two things, the Patriots are running away with the Super Bowl. The question becomes, can they? If I put it in anybody's hands, I'd put it in Bill Belichick's hands. But I think that's what's interesting about this Rams team, Rob, to flip the script on the other side is I think there's a little bit more talent especially defensively probably than we're giving them credit for but I think we talk so much about Aaron Donald and it's fair it's true he deserves that praise but they were still giving up 38 points with Aaron Donald getting sacks when Hakeem Tlaib wasn't in the game so once he came back and healthy that truly took that Rams defense over that edge that made them a good enough defense to get to this point totally agree I, I just to me, I mean, it's like we have such a recency bias to what, what we see as fans and what we remember. The, I mean, the Rams for 11, 12 weeks were everyone's darling to win the Super Bowl. It was going to be a runaway, if you remember, back you know, late October, early November. And they went out and they, they had a great season last year. It was the kind of the first piece. And then they went out and got a ton of free agents and spent the money and they clearly were going for it. And then that, that kind of got forgotten by the uh, the two or three kind of close game. I mean, they ran away with their division. There wasn't big games to play. And they had that two-week stretch of the, the bear loss where they everyone gave up on them. And it was like, well, you know, what, this team's not going to get it done. Goff's no good. But, but there is a t- they're, they're arguably the most talented team in the league all year long if you just went top to bottom, offense to defense. Um, so I agree with you. I think they have more than a capable talent, but I think every team New England has played so far in the playoffs had more talent than New England. So sometimes, sometimes that might not be the deciding factor. I know you're a coach, so I know coach bias might come into play here, but can you just, and I said this to Anthony at the midweek, but I need you to back me up here. Can you establish the fact that in any sport, the manager and the coach freaking matter. And I, and that that is the epitome of Bill Belichick and Tom Brady's success. Cause I think we've all had this argument before you throw Tom Brady into 31 other teams. He may have success to a very high degree, but I don't think he's having this level of success without the coach of Bill Belichick. The, the Boston Red Sox don't go on a run to the World Series without the managing of Alex Corey, whether that's managing personalities, managing personnel, managing in-game situations, whatever it is, the manager and the coach matters. And I know that we come at this from coach bias, Rob, but at the end of the day, I feel like Bill Belichick of all really proves that. 100%. No, you'll never be able to convince me otherwise. And uh, baseball is a little different, I think, especially at the highest levels. And it's become more of a culture thing. And I think Cora was the perfect culture guy for the team they had in Boston. Um, but that's a whole separate thing. I think uh, 
in football is the most so that the coach can make the biggest change, the biggest impact. It's really the only sport where you can go from a, a three-win irrelevant team to the playoffs in one year um, unless you're t- – yeah, you could do it in basketball where the one superstar can turn the Cavs into a NBA's finals team and back to a number one draft pick this year. <laughs> Sorry, right. I mean, in basketball, it's the player. It's the one or two stars that can win you 50 extra games, which is still amazing to me. But it's in football, it is definitely the coach. But it, that's going to be an argument forever. And the way they're both sticking it out, Belichick and Brady, I, I don't know if you'll – ever get to prove one without the other because it doesn't look like either one's going to ever give up or retire or anything like that. Uh, but they both need each other. I mean, they, they're both n- not where they are without the other one. Uh, but the argument I always make is there's probably, I mean, there's not five Tom Brady's in the league. Don't get me wrong, but there's five quarterbacks I believe or so in the league that if you put them in new England for the last 18 years and you say they have the longevity or whatever, I would say they can win those same Super Bowls under Bill Belichick and the entire culture system that's up there. I do not know. And I, this would be my bet. I could bet my life on it. There is not five other coaches that could win that many Super Bowls just because they had Tom Brady. And that's truly what I believe. And I think that's, there's no way to prove it, but I, I think the difference between Brady and maybe the second quarterback is large, but the gap I think we're showing here between Belichick and the entire rest of the coaching community in football is much greater. It's funny. It's one of those weird times where you equate the NFL to the NCAA because you look at Nick Saban, and oftentimes we think so much of that with Nick Saban, like why people were so stunned that Clemson blew out Alabama. It's, oh, my God, it's Nick Saban. How could that ever happen? Like when the Dolphins beat the Patriots, oh my God, it's Bill Belichick. How could that ever happen? Because that gap is so wide to your point, when shit like that happens, people are freaking surprised because they're like, that's not supposed to happen to a guy that's this prepared. I think uh, with both of us in the profession of coaching, I think I, I know I strive for someday to be the coach of something that when we lose, it becomes a national story. (laughs) That someone was able to beat us that bad becomes national news. I think you've reached a different level of uh, (laughs) where you are compared to everyone else. And and that's, I think, in a weird way, what happened to Saban in that, I think I I texted a few people that night, might have been you, uh, one of them. uh, It was just as Clemson kept scoring and as Alabama had no answers, I remember texting a few people saying, I think we could separate the Saban from Belichick class now. Cause when, when do you ever see Belichick in that big of a game have no answers? And I mean, when you beat them, you beat them on the last play or you beat them by some fluke or something crazy has to happen for them to lose these big games down the stretch. And this is a couple of times now where you just seen Saban kind of get stomped in in a couple of moments, which is weird, but true. And the only other time, and the only time really, actually, that Bill Belichick was getting stomped in, he found a way to come back and still win a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, right? That was that was the most for the three quarters of that Falcon game. That was probably the most stunned I've ever been watching a sporting event. Because yeah, you might you, you knew the Falcons were good, but you did just you just I mean, if the Rams are up twenty in this game, I will be unbelievably stunned at what we're watching, and that's the level they have reached. And I'm sure they'll run the football. never know (laughs) yeah really we thought that well and part of my feeling going to the super bowl 
is thinking about, and I'm glad you made the point about basketball before, is thinking about LeBron James. And I compare what the New England Patriots, specifically probably Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, what they do to LeBron James. Everyone hates on LeBron James. They hate on LeBron James because he made the decision to leave and go to Miami and come back. He's making his own decisions to go to LA. LA. He controls his own destiny. But why do they hate him? He's one of, if not the greatest player of all time. So we're going to hate a guy while we have the opportunity to watch him be great. And then later on realize, wow, that guy was great. I can't believe I hated so much of watching him play. Feel the same way about the Patriots and Tom Brady. And I said this, Rob, you and I and, and people like us who are in the AFC East with other teams, we have real fanhood hatred for the Pats, probably more so than everyone else, because we've been a part of this 15-year run where we haven't won shit since they've been so good. But even still then, I find myself respecting the heck out of what they do and enjoying watching this, even though I hate it so much as a Dolphins fan, because it's like, dude, we're never going to see this again. When are you ever going to see this again? So you have to find a way to enjoy it as much as it may pain you at the same time. Yeah, I, I, long ago, I mean, you're a Dolphin fan. I'm a Jet fan. We're supposed to hate these guys. Um, I don't know if it's because of being a coach or whatever, but I put a, a long time ago, I put the hatred of New England away and just started appreciating what you were watching. Doesn't mean you have to root for them. Doesn't mean uh, – Anything like that. Same thing that, you know, after the 03 and 04 insane Yankee and Red Sox series when uh, I was in college and it was like all you did, you hated Boston, you were in New York, kind of got over the whole fan thing and you just start to appreciate. I really appreciated some of those Red Sox teams because when you're a coach, you're dying for anything you can get through to your guys. And when you see a Back in the what was it, Kevin Euclid hustling or something like that? You use whatever, whatever you can to get your guys to buy into what you're trying to do. So, yeah, totally. Um, and now I, I find myself this run kind of just savoring every minute of it because who knows? Who knows if you're ever going to see? And I'm, I lean more towards Belichick than I do of like an infatuation with Brady. I think we'll see great quarterbacks, but. I don't know if we're going to see a coach like this. Um, maybe we're watching the younger version of him coming up on the Rams side. You kind of hope to see this level of greatness again, but we're talking a long way off before anything looks like what we're watching from Belichick. I made the statement on Wednesday's show, Rob, that in 10 to 15 years, we'll be talking about Sean McVay like we're talking about Bill Belichick. Well, but they almost are already. <laughs> I mean, every uh, team – when they're trying to make their hires is looking for the next him and he's 33 and had at that point had not won a playoff game when he was 32 at that point. So it's, it's you, insane, but he is the new trend, but really the way he handles everything is awesome. I mean, you wouldn't know he, he talks like, like truly like he has not accomplished anything. It's the players are getting it done. He does sound like a mini Belichick with slight more outgoing personality for sure. <laughs> I love the fact that at media day, we were able to get some McVeighisms, And I know we texted about this, but for a guy at the professional level, and I want to talk about the Rams a little bit before we get done here. Okay. Like for a guy at the professional level, like Sean McVay, he's got two players on his team that are older than him and he can still get through to his guys like that. And I do think that corny stuff like that is important. And I do think that it's fun to see, and it's, maybe it's reassuring. I don't know what word I'm trying to use, but at the end of the day, it's great to see at the professional level a guy can do stuff like that, and it can get through to guys that are that talented. Yeah, it goes back to 
probably what they teach at business school. I never attended a business school, <laughs> but if you're running a business or you're coaching a team or you're leading any group of people, it's what they always say. It's not It's really once you show people you truly care about them and you want to get them to what they're personally trying to accomplish, and then you show them that you can help them get to where they're trying to go, they're going to buy into whatever you're telling them. Because once you can get people to understand, hey, I have some knowledge in this area. I can help you become the next top quarterback, the next receiver. I can get you a Super Bowl ring. This is how we're going to do it. Or I can get our company to a Fortune 500 or make you a CEO. You're damn right people are going to start buying in. And that that's the kind of the the big thing of coaching or leading people is this is this is the vision. I got to make them see the vision. And then once we got that, they're going to buy into what I'm saying. And he does that like, not, not like it, how easy would it have been for veterans to walk in there and say, who is this? I mean, Tom, yeah, there's players in this game. Tom Brady's eight years older than him. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it'd be very easy to say this guy doesn't know what he's doing, but I'm sure he showed a work ethic and a, a vision from day one that, I mean, they are totally, they, they, you don't hear a bad thing about the guy from anybody on that roster. Here's a great lesson for all, everyone listening to the DAP podcast. It's called earn the respect of anybody. You, you go into an industry, you go into a job field. The, your first goal is to earn respect. Then you worry about what your next step is in that career, but you can't get anywhere unless you earn the respect of the people around you. And, and I think Sean McVay found a way to break in at a young age because he earned the respect of not just the Rams, not just those owner, that ownership, but all 32 teams in the NFL, because that's one of those things where you better believe there was a lot of discussion about hiring a 31 year old head coach and being able to see the future like this and trusting it. And now I say to myself, if it's four minutes left in this ball game and the Rams are down, has Sean McVay gotten to the point where he's able to have schemed enough to be able to lead Jared Goff so that Jared Goff can lead the team down the field? Yeah, probably, but who he's scheming against in this one makes it a lot a lot harder than if he's scheming against anybody else. And I think, you know, he could be – I mean, this is truly like the ultimate test of I – mean, I, I don't know about you, I was thoroughly impressed with how they handled – all the stuff we talked about in that in New Orleans. I mean, that I've never ever uh, watching a long time. I've never seen a team that overwhelmed for a quarter and a half. I mean, you've seen teams you know, go into an environment and it's tough, and it's I, I've never seen that where a quarterback is running to the wide receiver and telling him to play, and then running back to the under center, and then having to use a timeout, and the the chaos that looked like was happening. You know, you've seen chaos, and then you usually see the team roll over and lose by 30. Uh, For them to reassemble, regroup, and somehow stay in the game, for him to make that big pass before the half, for the fake punt, for all the things that happened, it was really – we both said it to each other that day. I can't really say much about Goff in a negative way after that performance. I agree, and I I think in my in my opinion, Rob, and who knows if my opinion really matters or not. But in my opinion, I feel like no matter what he does in this game, to me, he's earned the respect of putting him in that category where we feel like I guess we call him franchise quarterbacks now, right? A guy that we can build around for ten, fifteen years. But I think it's more than that because 
we also look at a guy like Jameis Winston as a franchise quarterback. He's done nothing for five years. So to me, it's like that upper echelon of quarterback where, yeah, we call him a franchise quarterback. This is a franchise quarterback that can win, like win you actual games, not just get you to the playoffs every year and, and keep you kind of relevant. Yeah, he, that's, you can't – I mean, he could play a horrendous Super Bowl here and uh, it would be a really uneducated – fan that would say that's a big game choker or all the nonsense that comes out when you lose a Super Bowl. I mean, what he did in New Orleans is that was, that's it. And uh, you know, it takes a Tom Brady now granted he hadn't been in a lot of playoff road games, but he hadn't won a playoff road game in a decade. I think they said (laughs) until that Kansas city game. So it is not easy to go on the road and win playoff games, playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. I mean, we talked about that on the pod last or before those games two weeks ago there hadn't been a road team to win a conference championship game in the last five years so that was 10 games in a row so i mean it's amazing and then when you throw on top of that that's probably the toughest environment in all the nfl down in new orleans when they're going good i mean it was i mean you could hear it coming through the tv how loud it was imagine being in the building so yeah that no matter and it leads me into what I think about the game. The Rams, to me, and it's hard to say, like, the Super Bowl is a house money game, but <laughs> I don't think you can walk out of this any which way. I mean, if they get shut out and it's 56 nothing, it's going to leave a sour taste in your mouth. But the Rams have had a very successful season. And, no, you lose to New England in the Super Bowl on their 100th trip to your first. I mean, it's not going to be the end of the world. Now, we all know there's no guarantee you're ever going to get back like a Dan Marino career or Ugh. something like that. But yeah, you got to assume this team's going to be in the mix for a few years. So to me, it's not they, the game they had to win really had to win was the Dallas home game or else you start to question, will they ever win a playoff game? And then by winning that game in New Orleans, to me, it showed they're here. They're an elite franchise. He's a quarterback. He's a coach that can win these types of games. So yeah, you don't throw it away and say, ah, whatever, it's the Super Bowl. We don't need to win this one. I'm just saying if you as a fan, me as a – you wouldn't walk out of this game after a Rams loss and say, well, they choked. That What a failure of a season that was. When on the other side, I mean, you wouldn't say the same thing about New England, but there's only so many trips left. So, I mean, it, it, it could oh, – with them, it, it could always be – I mean, they were talking about the dynasty being over if they lost to the Chargers, so – it could always be the end for them. So I think there's the two different like men- mentalities going into it. Yeah, it's so funny. Everyone tries to be the first person to predict when Tom Brady's going to be done or when Rob Gronkowski's going to be done. It's at the, I, and I've said this to you so many times. I said this to so many people. I'd stop. Just stop, right? Like, just let it be. Listen, we don't got to dissect every word. Oh, Rob Gronkowski said that it takes a toll on your body mentally <laughs> and physically. Wow, did he really? That's oh. breaking news. That <laughs> NFL season would take its toll on you. I'm mind blown that in the 20th game of the year, his body's tired. <laughs> Oh, man, you know, and it's like, just, just, just let the guys play. And I get it. It's the job. It's the job of the media to ask those questions. So I'm not going to ask you that question, Rob. I'm going to ask you the easy one, right? Who wins this football game? Well, if that were easy, we'd all be in pretty good shape. I, think. <laughs> I mean, I, a few people, right, right when the game ended, I'm talking uh, when uh, the Patriot game ended, I said, this is a very hard one for me because I – like I've told you a bunch of times, I usually lean on the coaching side of things. And these are the two guys I thought were the two best in the league. So I don't, I don't know if there's going to be a major 
uh, preparation mismatch in the game. And Belichick, to me, is the greatest of all time. Um, but I don't think they're going to catch him by surprise or do anything that the Rams are not going to have an answer for. Um, but it would be extremely hard for me to say the Patriots are. And I, the, mo- the most – middle of the year, the Rams are the better team. They might be the better team right now, but so were the Chiefs and so were the Chargers. So, like we've said all the time, I'm not going to be the fool to watch – to keep going against New England and watching them keep win, keep winning the games. But to me, it's the biggest reason I'm leaning New England and really should have nothing to do with it. But I think somehow it does is, is he really, is Bill Belichick going to lose two close contested down to the final drive or so Super Bowls in a row? And that's kind of what's my separating factor is I, it would be hard for me to, Every Patriot Super Bowl comes down to the last drive or two. That's just a, pretty much a fact of life with them. <laughs> I, they, more often than not, they pull them out. So what are the odds they're going to lose two of those in a row? So, that, so I'm leaning the New England way. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. If you, if you had to feel a score out, you think high scoring, low scoring? I do think it'll be – I saw the total was pretty high. I do think it'll be a little lower score, you know, relative to today's game. So – you know, in that it could be a 31-24, which is slightly under the total, or 28-24. I don't think it's a blowout. If it is going to be a two-score game, I do not see it being the Rams winning a two-score game because I don't see Brady getting not in this game with the ball in his hand at the end, worst-case scenario. But, yeah, I do. You know, historically, the, the Patriots come out very slow in these Super Bowls, which is weird. If you look it up, they, they – I think they have three points in all their first quarters of all these Super Bowls, which is amazing. <laughs> so, I mean, I think there's something to the layoff. There's something to the hype. No matter how many times they're there, the Rams are there the first time. I, I could see a slow-paced start to the game. Um, and maybe it carries over a little. But I do think somewhere inside of both of these coaches, they, they believe they can run the ball. And both teams have proven at times they can. Um, so, I do see a, a little slower track. I, I don't see the ultimate shootout. And neither game, I was wrong about both the games last year. I thought, I thought they'd be up-tempo, and they weren't. I mean, the Chief game ended up getting crazy and high scoring towards the end. But both of those games, and I think that's just the case in some of these big games. It's just it's harder to convert. And, I mean, it's been proven. They are letting them hit the guys in the secondary like they don't let them hit them during the season. <laughs> so, you can get away with it. You can, you can get away with Grabbing and holding the receivers a lot more than when you're watching week 11 and uh, there's a flag every other play. Um, so I think that there's no more of those kind of 45 yard free penalties on pass interference or the five yard continue a drive. They kind of let you hit them. And I, I think it, it, it leads to better football. You're not always looking for a flag in these playoff games. Yeah, but then it leads to the referees not knowing how to call football for 17 of the 19 weeks that we watch it. <laughs> yeah, and that's what, I mean, that's the NFL's problem. I mean, you go, I believe, I mean, obviously that was a pass interference last week. They admitted it, whatever, but, or two, you know, in the NFC championship, but that's the problem. And so I, they, I guarantee there's talks and meetings before with Riberon and the rest of the refs that are going to do the first week of the playoffs. And it's, we do not want, a uh, 50-yard jump ball pass interference called to the side someone's season, so let the guys play. And now you're putting guys in a tough spot that have to officiate these games who all year long got to call it tight, 
And then all of a sudden, we're not going to throw the flag. And then it's the biggest play of the game. And what do I do? It looks bang, bang. It doesn't. And that's the hard part. And that's why there's really no answer. But I think that's what happens in the playoffs. It's just a fact. They let the secondary play a lot different than they do during the course of the year. And, and, and everyone in New Orleans, we get it. You're pissed off. Okay, shut up now. Oh, I, can't, I couldn't. I didn't want to go there, but yeah, I can't. I, I really can't listen to it anymore. I I can't believe. I mean, I I used going into that game. I I, I thought Sean Payton was a you know good a good stand up. What I mean, he took the worst to me, worst public appearance. I mean, he came to the press conference and the first thing he said was, "I just got off the phone with the league and they blew the call." Well, why isn't the first thing you said, why weren't you running the football on first down? You could have ran three plays, kicked the field goal with 40 seconds left. I mean, I don't want to hear – there's 400 other plays in that game. I get it. He should have said, listen, we know there was a call. There's also like 20 other things we could have done to win this football game. I mean, I don't understand why he had to take that approach, but I get it. It's 10 minutes after a horrendous ending to your season. Uh, but the way he carried on, if you watched closely – in. He went on and on with the refs for the next three drives. So I can't imagine your teams are going to respond in a positive way while you're still riding the ref when really if your defense just makes a stop, the game is about to end. And he was still complaining about it in overtime when he won the coin toss. So it's amazing. You had the ball. You had the ball. Yeah, he, <laughs> he couldn't get over it. And I'm sure he's the first person to talk to his players about mental toughness and putting stuff behind you. And that's where – Coaching comes into play, and it's little things like that people don't pay so much attention to. It was a horrendous call, but, I mean, you gave your players a, a bailout, and then the first thing you had to tell America was how uh, the, nobody cares. Dude. There's been bad calls in every sport of all time, and the annoying part here is you had the ball in your hand three plays prior to that where you could have done exactly what you said you were going to do after the pass interference call, which was three kneel downs and kick a field goal. So. I don't really want to hear it. You be a stand up. Andy Reid got asked about should they change overtime? And he said, no, we had, <laughs> we knew the rules going into the game. That was the rule. They won the toss. We couldn't stop them. And uh, to me, that's more of a stand up guy than what we're dealing with with Peyton. Yeah. And he probably all well, Let's remember, John Payton's also the guy that's been suspended for an entire season for the things he's done in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone so... forgets that too. And now the, <laughs> the Jets had to hire the defensive coordinator of that whole disaster. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but the one thing you can say is, I guess what he did in Cleveland is is worthy of maybe taking that shot. Yeah, no, nah, he's a good defensive coordinator. I just that whole skeptics. Yeah, yep. that's it's what it is what it is. But the, the you'll never uh, blaming refs and all that. I mean, they also faced Mass Goff the drive before that should have put him back first and goal. I mean, there's a million. It's football. There's a million plays you can don't put the game in the refs' hands when you have control of the game. That's always been my. Uh, assessment i would have rather kicked my field goal with 40 left and see if my d could stop the rams with no timeouts without the risk of throwing the football or doing anything that they did in those situations for all you fordham rams listening right now you do not put it in the umpire's hands we don't that is <laughs> and there's nothing more frustrating you've seen it it's just a a bad strike one gets called on you and your bat's over are you kidding you had you were looking for the excuse before the bat started you got one and now you 
then you think you got a free roll as to whether you can perform or not in that at bat because you got a bad strike one. <laughs> if you're trying to be recruited by Fordham, don't show those body language. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Well, and I want everyone out there to remember too, man. If you all, if this game goes south, if it's not that interesting, go. Go go check out some of the uh, prop bets they got going on because you can, you can have a lot of fun in its own right getting some of those prop bets going. I saw for the first time today, not that I was uh, looking for it, but <laughs> I, I did say who was the MVP going to thank first, and family was a slight favorite over God. So I was wondering, you know, maybe that could be a poll for you there. Do you think family first or God first? You know, what, <laughs> but I guess we get into a theological argument then. So. <laughs> We had, a, we had a real talk about this actually on Wednesday when Anthony, <laughs> Anthony ran through them and like one of them was like, what's the Gatorade yeah, color? Like, that one every year. So Anthony in our what do you got, Rob, and the people should know this if they're listening to the podcast, he picked uh, Devlin, the fullback for the Patriots, pl- uh, plus or minus, or it was uh, over under three and a half receiving and rushing yards combined. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I thought that was the best prop bet. One of the best ones I've ever heard. Maybe he's got some inside info that we need to know about. Yeah, but would you be surprised if he ended up with 50 yards and somehow that was right? I mean, let's be serious. Honestly, with these two, nothing would surprise me the way these two teams have gone about their business, that's for sure. And I'm I'm taking God, by the way. That's why I put in my mind. Yeah, well, if it's uh, Brady, we'll be thanking Giselle first because it seems to be a contractual (laughs) obligation for him now the first thing he's got to say is her probably because she, you know, she still lets him play at 82 years old or whatever it is. Man, what happened to the days of just saying, I'm going to Disney World? Yeah, uh, <laughs> Phil Sims started that. <laughs> Have things changed? Well, Mr. Datoma, as always, the Rome solo with Rob Datoma is so thankful that you're involved. Ah, this is fun. I wish there was more weeks of football, but. We'll have to come up with some topics to discuss before September. I've already, th- I've already thought about our first one, and that is digging into the coaching mind of Rob Datoma. Oh, God. You better get a big shovel. Yeah. Oh, that's out there. I mean, with the snow coming, we'll be in a good spot. <laughs> no snow this year. I heard a rumor. Oh, God. I hope you're right about that one. <laughs> All right. Well, sir, I, I know you got to go get ready to get those Rams ready. So uh, we appreciate it, and we know you'll be back sooner rather than later. I will for sure. Thanks for having me on. Have fun, you, have fun out there watching the game. It's America's Day. It is America's Day. You enjoy your wings, people. You enjoy your food. You enjoy your beers. Don't enjoy them too much, though. Make sure you get home safe. And make sure while you're watching that game, hit the Instagram, the Twitter, the Facebook, at Dab Podcast. Send us, a, send us all your feelings on that. Shoot us an email. Whatever it is, we'll dissect it. You know the deal. I am Andrew Romanella. That was my guy, Rob Datoma. Special friend of the podcast this was rome solo with rob here on the dab podcast give us the five star you know the deal we'll be back next time